You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. We worship you, Lord, Mountain Mover. Make out the ends of the earth. We worship you, Lord. We give you all the praise. We adore you, Most High God. Thank you for this beautiful morning. Ah, Lord God, we worship you. You whose hands can do all things. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We are nothing without you. We thank you for how far you have brought us. Ah, you have brought us this far because of your mercy. Because of your goodness and kindness to us. We don't deserve it. It's a gift from you. And we embrace it with thanksgiving. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of good people all around us. Thank you for the gift of family, the gift of friends. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your son that uh, which has come into our lives and caused a transformation. This gift has changed everything about us, has made us a gift to the world. Thank you for the talents that you have buried inside of us, for the potentials that you have given to us. As you gave Christ to us, you gave to us all things else. Lord, we worship your holy name. We adore you. We give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for making us your ambassadors. People will carry your light to the nations. People will speak on your behalf. People will raise voices of praise and thanksgiving. People will worship. Create something that lightens up our world, that brightens the space, that produces sounds that change our world. We worship you. We don't take this for granted. We are excited to be called your children. We are excited to bear your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sharing this beautiful gift with us. Lord Jesus, as we proceed this morning, we first say, Lord, let our praises continually be acceptable before you. Let our offerings our sacrifice, like you accepted that of Abel, be accepted by you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, as the word comes this morning, Lord, we'll pray for utterance. We'll pray for grace. Lord God, we'll pray for grace that your word will come with simplicity, with clarity, but with purpose and ability to make happen what you desire to make happen in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, blessed be your holy name, O Lord. Alpha and Omega, we hand over to you. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, friends. Nice, nice, nice to be with you this morning. It's been a while. We took a break to refresh, to hear from the Lord, to enjoy the, the presence of God, getting ready for a new year. And there we have it. One old month is gone already. Welcome back to New Wine Teachings. New Wine, if you are here for the first time, is the youth expression of foundation of truth assembly. Where our vision is very simple, raising a godly people and by the grace of God, we've got our headquarters in Lagos, Surulere, and we've got branches all across the country. We've got a branch in Abuja, a branch in Ajay, a branch in Festac, and another one in Houston, Texas. So we welcome you to be a part of what God is doing here. Here we teach the word of God. We we receive grace from God to teach it with simplicity so that you can apply it. The goal of the word of God is for us to be better. But if you don't understand, you can't apply. And if you do not apply, you can't be transformed. Bible says we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so that's why we, on every Saturday 9 a.m., as you've joined us this morning, or perhaps you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Anchor or on RSS web. Know that we have our online service 9 a.m. every Saturday. It's just 90 minutes and those 90 minutes are life-defining. We encourage you to continue to be a part of us. This month, we started a beautiful series that we have captured, Road to Recovery. Road to Recovery. And today, we're starting with our first topic, Exposed and Exploited. And we're trusting that the Lord will give us grace to be able to understand what he wants us to learn about how to recover i'm sure you you know someone if that's not you you know someone who's lost something before have you lost something before do you know somebody who's lost something before this series is for you because god has a plan for you to recover but before you recover you need to understand there's a mechanism around this there is a mechanics to this so please listen and I want you to keep an open mind. The word of God sometimes can come brutal to us. But its intention is not to tear us down. It's to shape us back 
to bring us back on track. So when the word comes hard, please, brothers and sisters, receive it with humility. Pay attention because there's something in need for you that can transform your life. We're going to start from our text for the month, and that text is taken from the book of First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 30. I'll read a couple of verses and we'll begin. Are you ready? First Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to read the first few verses. The Bible says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Verse 3, the Bible says, So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail the widow of Nebal the Camelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. Why? For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. We know this story all too well, about how David um, went um, to pitch his tent with uh, the Philistines huh? and how they gave him a city called Ziglag and he lived there with 600 men that were his boys or his lieutenants and one day they were not at home and the enemy came knocking the enemy ransacked their house, took everything they had and they came back Why? what even touched me so much <laughs> is the verse here that says David was greatly distressed why? the people spoke of stoning him you know, the loss was so much. Everyone was demoralized. People were, you know, looking for something to blame it on, someone to blame it on, anyone. And they found their leader, David. They said, it must be your fault, David. Oh, if, if you had not let us out to go do some other business, we would not have left our children and wives and property exposed. And they would not have been exploited. It's your fault. And so they were going to mete out jungle justice on David. The Bible said they thought of stoning him. You know, when you read through the Bible and you hear, oh, someone gets stoned. That was a kind of um, jungle justice uh, that is meted to people who are great offenders. You know, they, they stoned Stephen because they thought he committed blasphemy. And you will see prescriptions of stoning all through scriptures. You read Numbers, you read Exodus, you read Leviticus. For people who have done things that were socially unacceptable. So they would stone them, you know. So they were thinking of stoning David. Come on. They've been exploited, that's why. And when you get exploited, believe me, you're looking for someone to blame. You're looking for something to blame. You're looking for anything at all to blame. Your, venge your fury needs to find a channel. And you just put it out on anyone out there. But can we step back and see what is really happening here? Yes, the people were exploited. First, they were invaded. Hmm? You see, they could not have been invaded if there was no access. Maybe I should, I should call this subsection phases of exploitation. Read through that first uh, few verses again. The Bible says in verse 1, The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. Invasion. First thing that happened. The enemy had access. Brother, listen to me. Before the enemy can exploit you, can exploit your loved ones, can exploit your mind, can exploit your finances, can exploit your body, can exploit anything, the first rule is access. Hmm? If the enemy has no access, they can't reach you. They can't reach you. So the first breach here was, there was something that gave the enemy access. Access. In the phases of exploitation, access is the first key. The Bible goes on to say, 
and they attacked Ziglag. Oh, when the enemy has access, he's not coming to drink coffee with you. No, 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 no. It's not coming to play solitaire. No. It's coming to do something. Attack. Attack. The enemy's mission is assault. So when the enemy receives an access into your life, and we have many ways of granting access. Believe me. We have many ways. You know, we do things without really thinking about the broad, long-term implications of the things we do. And we do it as believers. We do it as young people. I, we just vibing, you know, we just vibing. I hear that a lot. We just vibing, vibing. Mm-mm. Wait a minute. It can be a portal. That, what you call vibing can be a portal. Granting access to the enemy. There are people who began to vibe with some people. There are people who began to go to some places. And then the enemy capitalized on that. To go feast on something else that is important to them. Why they were busy being distracted. So once the enemy gets an access, the next thing is assault. The Bible says they attacked. Once they invaded Ziglak, they attacked Ziglak. Go on. You will see the next phase. The Bible says, and they burnt it with fire. They burnt it with fire. So when the enemy comes and number one gains access, number two begins his assault, the third thing is asking. Hmm? The enemy wants to burn down the things that are important to you. You know, you will think that these guys, these marauders, Amalekites, their intention is really, really to, you know, steal away assets, you know, take things that belong to people in the village. No. They only wanted to make a statement that when we are done with you, you will be finished. When we are done with you, there will be nothing left of you. You know, you know the way fire works. Fire leaves nothing. It takes away everything. And that's what the enemy does when it comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. It wants to really, 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 really destroy. So when we play with fire, when we play with disobedience, when we play with sin, when we play with laxity in the place of prayer, when we no longer study the word, when we no longer go to fellowship, when we no longer make ourselves accountable, we grant access, then the enemy comes and starts the assault. Of course what he wants to do is to finish you. Finish you. When the enemy gained access to the life of Judas, remember the story? Judas was a very influential guy. He was a title holder among the disciples. He was a treasurer. We didn't hear of too many titles. There was no secretary. There was no vice president. There, there was no protocol officer. But we heard about a treasurer. This guy had an office. Judas was a big man among the disciples. Yet, when the enemy was finished with him, he was totally gone. Destroyed. His legacy destroyed. As a matter of fact, they asked to substitute him. The man committed suicide. Destroyed. So that's what the enemy does. He wants to destroy. This fire here is for symbolism. Symbolism. So if you grant access, you pave the way for assault. And then there's Asen. Third A. We go to the next one. The Bible says, And at taking captive the women. They are taking captive the women. That's arrest. Hmm? The fourth A is arrest. The, the A's of exploitation. <laughs> we, we, we've been looking at the A's. Access, assault, arson, then arrest. So when the enemy really, really wants to go to the next step, then it takes away your freedom. That's arrest. You see yourself getting addicted to things. You see yourself feeling helpless. Feeling stuck. Feeling like there's no way out. Because the enemy makes sure of that. In order to steal, it must get you into a place where you have been immobilized. The Bible was speaking. Jesus himself teaching. said, how do you go to rob a strong man? He said, the first thing you need to go do is when you get access to the man, you've got to attack him. Then you've got to dispossess him. By tying him down. You've got to tie him down. If you don't tie him down, you cannot loot him. Are you getting what's going on here? So when we give access to the enemy, and he assaults us, and he destroys the things that matter to us, the next thing he wants to do is to get you arrested. Lock you down. So that when he's moving things that belong to you, you can do nothing about it. Of course, we use this same principle in dealing with demons. When uh, you want to cast out demons, you first get them arrested. You get them arrested. Then you, you throw them out. You cast them out. And you release their captives. So that's what we do. It's the same thing that happens 
in the spiritual realm. It's the same thing that happens in other spheres of life. How are you granting access? If you can block the access, you can block exploitation. Bible says after this arrest, there was abduction. The enemies, after arresting the people, took them away. The Bible says it, they carried them away and went their way. For many of us who have reached this stage, it has matured. After access came assault, came arson, came arrest and abduction. There are things that belong to us that have been abducted. There are things that we desire to have but have been taken. But this month is for your recovery. And you shall recover in the name of Jesus Christ. You are going to recover. But we need to work through. What are the ways for recovery? Perhaps, how do we prevent further losses? Because as we speak, the conditions that make for continual looting by the enemy, they are still rife. So if we don't deal with them, it's just a matter of time. There will be more losses. That will not be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we dig deeper into this story to see what really, 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 really happened? You know, this exposure that Ziegler had, that paved the way for exploitation, there was a method to the madness that, that started, actually. Let's, let's step back and see what really happened. You know, I told uh, the story in summary about how David moved, mobilized his men to go do something else. And then Ziglag was exposed. That is, the temporary abode that they had was exposed. And then the enemy came, exploited the place. Then David and his men came back and met the place destroyed. Their wives and children gone. Property burned with fire. Do you understand? Question. How could that have happened under the watch of David? The answer is in chapter 27. So we're going to flip back a bit. And a bit of background. Before chapter 27, we saw how Saul had been trying to kill David. Hmm? Remember, David had been anointed king in his father's house when he was 17. And he had fought in the army. And defeated the champion of the Philistines, Goliath of Gath. Goliath was from Gath. David had fought him single-handedly and killed him. And brought victory to Israel. And problems started. Some very beautiful song composers started something that triggered envy in um, the king. So the king felt slighted. Because how can you be talking about... Saul had killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands. So Saul was wondering, uh, you might as well give him the crown since you're making him look more important than me, the very first king of Israel, the pioneer king of Israel. What could be more spiteful? So Saul thought in his heart, I gotta get rid of this guy. I need to get rid of this David. So he began to look for excuses to kill David. Of course, David had a good ally in Saul's son, Jonathan. And David was a good and wise man. So God protected him. In fact, David had an opportunity twice to kill Saul. But he wouldn't do it. David was a good man. David said, no, I can't touch him. This guy is anointed. He may be backslidden. I can't touch him, Lord Jesus Christ. This guy might have sinned. This guy might, you know, might have fallen out of favor with God. But he's still anointed. I can't touch him. I can't touch him. I can't kill him. Even though the promise of God is on me that I gotta be his successor, I can't force it by killing him. I hope we are listening. I hope we are listening. I'm speaking in quotes now. You know, sometimes when we, we work with people and we, we feel that we have an opportunity to edge them out, don't do it. That's not how it works in the kingdom. If God has said you're gonna be king, you're gonna be king. God not only has um, the will for you to be king. He has his own plan. So if you will, by his spirit, king to his plan for you, you will see you can avoid things that can be avoided. And we see that in the story of David and Saul right here. So David didn't touch him. But after the second attempt, David thought to himself, this is getting too much. Someday this guy is going to get the better of me and he might finish me. Maybe I should just find my own solution 
to this madness. And that's what's going to happen in this book of First um, Samuel chapter 27. I hope by now you are in First Samuel chapter 27. Awesome. Read from verse 1. The Bible says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Mark, king of Gath. Really? Really, David? Really? You know, we've, we've heard a, a lot of beautiful things about David in scriptures. And those beautiful things are true. One of those beautiful things we've read about David in scriptures is that before David would take a decision, David would ask the Lord, Lord, should I do it? Lord, should I go to so-so-so-and-so place? Lord, should I fight so-so-and-so battle? Lord, how should I do it? Here, David didn't do that. <laughs> you know why? David was afraid. Fear, it's a portal that grants access to the enemy. You know, you remember Job, Job speaking, say, oh, the thing I fear the most has happened to me. Yes. If all you can think of are the negative things that can happen, most likely they will happen. And that's why you've got to guard your heart with all diligence. This year in particular, guard your heart with all diligence. For that of it comes the issues of life. David, God has spared him twice. In fact, God has given him an advantage twice over the enemy. And he used his good heart. To say, I won't take this advantage. Not every advantage is meant for me to take. Some might look good and bring me quick wins. But they bring quick wins. They bring long death. Because at the end of the day, they terminate something that is more important. Even though I get a quick win now. But here was the same David. Paralyzed by fear. Disillusioned. And it was under the impression that. Maybe the next time I have an encounter with Saul. Maybe he's going to be able to kill me. So what do I do? What do I do? Many options. Can you pray? He didn't think of praying at this point. Can you inquire from the Lord? He didn't think of inquiring from the Lord. He just moved with emotion. Fear is an emotion. He just moved it with an emotion. It's a state of the mind. He just moved with it. Bible said he said in his heart, Oi, this guy might kill me soon. I better escape. Okay, escape, really. But it came to where? He said, the best place for me to go to right now is Philistine. Really, David? Isn't that what we do too? You've just um, left a bad relationship. You knew you were exploited. You know that this person is no good for you. But because you are in a certain situation and emotional... You run right back into their arms. This is February, you know. <laughs> Many people, because they don't want to be alone in February, a relationship they know doesn't work for them. Because 14th of February is coming. You're trying to patch things up so that you can go back. No, you are going to the enemy's camp. It never ends well. Read this story. It never ends well. So David said, I will go back to Philistine. I will run to Philistine. In fact, I'm not going to just run to any city in Philistine. I'm going to run back to the city of Gath. Where the man Goliath that I killed and made me famous. That got me in trouble, by the way. I'm going back to that city to go make friends with them. Mm -mm, mm -mm. That's what fear does. Fear blinds you from reason. Fear blinds you from being able to step back and say, What is God saying in this situation? Fear granted access. That was where it started. And you will see as we build up. Fear granted access. The mind of David had already been captured by fear. So the Bible said, He went to the king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household. Really? So this is how the story started. The story of the loss in chapter 30 started with this wrong move in 27. It's not every move that is God's move for you. And I speak to people in career, people in business, you know, you just think you want to make the next move. Before you make that next move, please listen to God. What is God saying? Are you making a move just because your current place seems like hell? Stay there until you hear from God. Stay there. 
that move, that offer you want to accept, have you asked the Lord? Lord, is this for me? What do you want me to do in this situation? Oh, you want to move because everybody is moving. And I understand. I totally understand. Everybody is moving these days. Everybody is leaving the country. We're going to UK. We're going to Australia. We're going to Canada. We're going to whatever. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But not everything is good for everyone. So you've got to wait and ask God, Lord, is this for me? Is this for me? This move I want to make, is it from you? Don't let fear lead you. Bible says uh, those who are God's children, they are not led by fear. They are led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many that are led by the Spirit of fear. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 said, If you've got the Spirit of fear, I didn't give you. Mm-mm. I didn't give you the Spirit of fear. No, 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 no. I gave you sound mind of love and power. Use that. Sound mind. Make sound judgment. But above all, ask me. Because I see what you don't see. You know, where God sits, right on high. He sees everything in plan of view. You see, we, we're just roaming about. And he, he's on top. He sees the road you're about to take. He sees this road is not good for you. So you better ask him. So David didn't ask. David not only moved, he moved his men and the men moved their families. He moved his family too. Before you make that move and carry your family, wait and hear from God. Because he was moving into a zone where he was going to suffer loss. May that not be your portion. Before you take that offer, wait on the Lord and ask the Lord, what is it? Is this from you? Do you want me to take this move? Don't just move because things are tough. Don't just move because things look hopeless. You don't know tomorrow. In Samaria, things were so hopeless. Mothers were planning how to feast on each other's children. In fact, they started the first phase. Somebody had already brought their own child and they had eaten that. Then the following day, everything was so cheap because God caused something to change. You don't know tomorrow. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. Oh, the economy is really, really bad today. Yes, it's true. It's a fact. But you don't control the times. You don't control the seasons. You don't know what's going to happen where you're going to. You don't know what's going to happen where you're living. Some people have moved out of a certain place and as soon as they move, things improve then and they can't come back. And they can't come back. I'm not saying move or don't move. I'm saying before you move, ask the Lord. Not every move is a good move. Even though it appears so. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of destruction. Watch before you move. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. So David and his men, they moved their things and went into Philistine. They went and fled to God. So the Bible says in verse um, verse 4, the Bible says, And it was told Saul that David had fled to God. So he sought him no more. <laughs> Guys, listen. You see, this, this verse 4 is very interesting because it sounds like a quick win. You know, David must have thought, oh yeah, that decision was right after all. You know, I was afraid of Saul. And uh, I made a decision, a decision to run away from Saul, run into Philistine territory, and, you know, create alliance with a king, the king of Gath, right? Then, if I do that, Saul will get tired of looking for me. Look at the premise. That was the premise that uh, David gave in verse 1. So, so we get tired of looking for me. That's true. So he, as a matter of fact, in verse 4, the Bible said, Saul was told that indeed David had fled out of his jurisdiction. So you will need Interpol to uh, extradite David from Philistine back to Israel where Saul can really kill him because that's what he wanted to do. And he didn't have the diplomatic relations to do that. As a matter of fact, they were at war with the Philistines. They had been at war for a long time with the Philistines. So he couldn't do that. So he let go. So to, to David's mind at that point, he would have said, Oh, yes, I was right. Because now the end justifies the means. He was wrong. And we do exactly the same thing. And these are the things that create additional propensity for us to make losses. For us to get exposed and get exploited. We chase some so-called quick wins that are not in alignment with God's plan for our lives. They may appear like things are working. Sorry, they're not going to work for very long. 
And that's exactly what happened to David. These things are connected. I pray, Holy Spirit, that the ones you are speaking to will really hear you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. I, I sense very strongly that some of us are in the valley of decision and we are about to make wrong decisions because we are not asking God. Brethren, ask God. Ask God today. Right after this message, go somewhere. Find yourself in a place where you can talk to God alone. Ask God before you make that move. You're about to make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. You're complaining of what is not working. Things are going to get worse if you make a decision without consulting with the Lord. Don't do that. Don't. Don't. Let me get back to my message. So, if he felt, oh, we've got a quick win there, and he moved on. Then in verse 5, the Bible says, Then David said to Akish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in this country that I may dwell in them. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Akish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. <laughs> See, brother, it doesn't matter how long you spend in the wrong lane. It's still wrong. Hmm? Every single day David spent in Ziglag. The Bible says one year and four months. Was a day that he was using to prepare for the loss that happened in chapter 30. It may not happen soon. Wait for it. When we veer off from God's plan. When we let fear lead us. When we let other emotions and other factors lead us. And there are other factors apart from fear. When we let them lead us. This is the only thing that can happen. We suffer loss. Because David was so afraid. Look at what David did. He went to a place that God didn't send him. He went to pitch his camp with the enemy. He went to Gath. He went to Philistines. And he pitched his, uh, his tent with the enemy. Even though he was running away from you know, um, Saul. Who was anointed but backsliding. But he now made himself servant. To an uncircumcised Philistine king. Really, David? Not only David. We do that too. You know, and it's always stepwise. When we run away from God's plan. Because something terrified us. And I know, I know, I know this feeling all too well. I've been there. I know this feeling. Where what God has in stock for you. Is so terrifying. You think you can't do it. You think you can't afford it. So you look for your own way. And you abandon the big picture to chase some small dreams. I, I heard something from a preacher. He was saying that, see, when God gives you an assignment, it's not going to be giving you an assignment that your budget can carry. Why? That is not checking your bank account. It's checking your faith account. So sometimes because we don't have faith to do what God wants us to do, we don't think that God is strong enough to protect us from the people that want us dead. We change the plan. And we then begin to do things that don't make any sense. How can you be running away from being a servant of Saul and now becoming a servant of a Philistine king? An uncircumcised Philistine king. Why, David? Fear. We do it too. We debase ourselves. We put ourselves in conditions that are not reasonable. Because what's leading us is fear. It's not God's spirit. Pause and think. What decisions have you been making lately? What position have you found yourself lately? Recalibrate. Check what did I do that granted access to the enemy? What did I do? This was what David did. David went knocking and said, enemy, can we be friends? And he, he, he thought he got something. He got a city. Really, he got a city. That's huge. Huge estate. Real estate. They gave him a whole city. You would think, oh, things are working. No, things are not working. Things are about to get messy. It doesn't matter what you get as quick win when you take sides with the enemy. 
Eventually, they caused loss. He almost lost his life because of that. Bible said they thought of stoning him. If God had not restrained them or given David wisdom to manage the situation, they would have stoned him. And his dream of becoming king would have been shattered right there. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. If you keep reading that same chapter 27, you'll see something else. So David uh, moved in to Ziglag and moved in with, with his uh, soldiers and their families. And they, they, you know, they were doing their thing, going around, raiding cities. But basically what David was trying to do, David was trying to curry the favor of the king of Gath, Akish. So he was trying to, to, to paint a picture that he is loyal to Akish and of course loyal to Philistine. And he has become disloyal to Israel, his native land. The land that God promised him, anointed him, he will be king over. So he was beginning to do things that would project an image to Akish, even though he was doing those things fraudulently. And you, you can read all that. We don't have time to go through all that. You can read all that in this chapter 27. He was doing fraudulent things to project an image to Akish that, Hey, Akish, I'm on your side. In fact, I'm willing to destroy my people Israel for you. So Akish was under that impression. So if you get to chapter uh, 27, the, the last verse, the last verse, Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 27, it says, So Akish believes David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. That is, he has made his people to utterly hate him. Therefore, it will be my servant forever. <laughs> oh, you think the enemy doesn't have motive? Yeah, the enemy's got motives. You think they were just giving you the, the real estate? They were just giving you the property. There are motives. There are motives. You are going to be indebted to them. So, Akish was saying, David, maybe you didn't understand. When I gave you a place here, I gave you a place so that you will serve me. I'm now your Lord. I'm now your master. Hmm? So, you will do as I please. You will do as I say. And that's exactly what happened in chapter 28, if you start reading from verse 1. So, it's, it's a continuation of thoughts from that last verse. The Bible says, now it happened in those days. I'm reading chapter 28, verse 1 of the book of 1 Samuel. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war, to fight with Israel. Now, you understand? Conflict of interest. Bible says, now, the Philistines are determined to fight a war with Israel. That's not the problem. The problem is what happened afterwards. The Bible says, and Achish said to David, remember who Achish is? Achish is the king of Gath, a city of the Philistines. Now the Philistines want to fight with Israel. So he told David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely, you know what your servant can do. And Akish said to David, very good, very good. Therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. I, I got to underline this in my Bible. Make you one of my chief servants, I mean chief guardians forever. You see, this is deep. What am I saying? You have an option, David. Today, the Philistines will be fighting against Israel. And because of what you have done, what fear has led you to do, you have taken side with me, the enemy. So what is going to happen is that in return for fighting against your people, the people you should be king over, <laughs> the people you were anointed to serve, your purpose in life. I said, I'm going to give you an alternative purpose. You are going to be my guardian, chief guardian. <laughs> you are going to be my chief bodyguard. You are going to be my CSO for life. So choose between what your fear has led you to. Be my chief guardian for life. Or choose between what God would have you do. Being Israel's best king. Gentlemen and ladies, please, if you don't take anything away from here, take this. Before this kind of transaction will happen, your consent will be required. And this happens in different, 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 different ways. The life we live in, 
there will always be alternatives in your front. The choices you make will determine whether you will fulfill purpose or you will not fulfill purpose. So Akish was basically offering David, be my CSO for life, chief security officer, or, you know, just be what God wants you to be, the king of Israel, the best king of Israel. Thank God for God. Because there was divine intervention in this case. I don't have time to go through all that. God intervened. If you read chapter 29, you will see how God intervened. If our God used the enemy counsel to intervene, say, David, you're about to make a mistake. You're about to do something that will ruin you. You're about to fight a battle that can destroy you. Don't do it. Don't do it. What you want to do will destroy your destiny. Don't do it. So God made the Philistine council of elders to say, no, Akish, you can't bring this guy here. Who knows what this guy is capable of when we get to battle. Maybe he's looking for a way to reconcile with his former boss, Saul. And he will turn against us in battle. Instead of fighting on our side, he will fight against us. Like he killed Goliath. He might kill our champions. He might kill our people. Sorry, we're not going to let this guy follow us. Thank God they did that. Of course, it was because they did that, he now went back and saw that his house had been ruined. Listen, if he had not gone to join them to fight, he would have been at home protecting Ziglag. He would have protected his family. His men would have protected their families. There would have been no loss in Ziglag. The enemy would have had no access to Ziglag. The enemy would have not been able to assault, attack, burn down, and abduct people from Ziglag. The enemy would not have been able to do that if Ziegler was not exposed. This is the secret. The things that we go through in life, many of them are preventable. But we opened the access doors to the enemy. Because we forgot about the big picture and we're chasing small dreams. Small dreams. Dreams of becoming CSO for life to a Philistine as against staying in the place of faith and doggedness to become the king that God wants you to become. And then we suffer loss. And then we blame it on God. Stay in the place where God has put you. And protect it from enemy access. Block it from enemy access. So David went back to Ziklag and found everything had been burned down. Thank God David was not allowed to fight against Israel. Because that would have spelt doom for him. Imagine David fighting alongside the Philistines against Israel. Two things could have happened. Whichever way, it would have robbed David the right to become Israel's king. If he went to battle, you know who David is. If David had met Saul in battle, again, David would not be able to kill Saul. And in the process, Saul might kill David. Or somebody else might shoot David. He could have lost his life in that battle. Of course, he could have lost also because God wasn't going to go with him. That's a very big factor. The reason David defeated Goliath was not because David was stronger than Goliath. No. God, stronger than every other force in the world, was with David. That's why David defeated Goliath. Not because he was so skillful. So if David had gone into this battle, he would have been fighting against God's people. (laughs) I don't know how you would reason this. He would have been fighting against the very people that he was supposed to be king over. The people he was supposed to protect. I don't think God was going to support him to kill his own children, Israelites. I don't think so. So, God intervened and said, I will stop him. Instead of bringing him into this dilemma, let me stop him. Let me stop him. I pray for you too. That mistake you're about to make, may God intervene and prevent you from being into a dilemma. That can ruin your destiny or cause you loss. In the name of Jesus Christ. So that, that happened just to stop David from making a mistake. But it's not only David we're talking about today. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. What other things are also getting us distracted and derailed from where God placed us? And making us so distracted that we get exposed and of course get exploited because we get exposed for some of us is ambition 
we, we have an alternative purpose. God said, oh, your legs, I created them to run on track and field. You're going to be a sprinter. But because that is not working so easily, you decide to be running your fingers on a typewriter or, or a keypad, working in an office. You've changed what the purpose of God is. You've created the alternative ambition. Sometimes it might be that. Sometimes it might be like David's case. Being king is not going to be easy. Let me go be a CSO to another king in the enemy territory. Sometimes we have, we have bowed to pressure. Under fear, we have quaked and we have substituted what God wants for us with something less than that. Sometimes, what, we, what is even distracting us is something that looks better than what God has for us. So God wants you to, to serve him in some capacity. And you, you feel that's demeaning. You feel that that's, that's not um, in sync with the persona you want to project to the world. So you shy away from the things of God. So that you can be seen more as a, you know, a career person. You can be seen more as a very intelligent person. <laughs> because they say pastors who are not intelligent. We are just always looking at Bible and we say Bible, say Bible, say. Oh no, that's not true. That's not true. You can be both. And you can be all that God wants you to be. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So I don't know what ambition is in front of you that is making you derailed and distracted. Therefore, paving the way for exploitation. Uh, 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 uh. Rethink it. Rethink it. You, you, you have that dream that is not of God. But it looks good. It looks beautiful. And it's getting you distracted from the big picture that God has about you. Bible says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. The thoughts of peace, of good, not of evil, to bring you a future and a hope. He has a picture in mind for you. And you are living that because of ambition. And then because you are chasing a wrong ambition, you're working so hard, but you don't have God's blessing in it. Oh, you see some blessings. Not all blessings are from God. Go and read your Bible. Devil lifts people sometimes. He lifts them. Only to take them so high and make them fall so deep. When they fall, there's no rising because they, they are shattered when they fall. So don't, don't be deceived by the so-called blessings you've seen on that other track. Where you know is not where God wants you to be heading. It might be that the enemy is setting you up so that he can attack something else that is more important to you. Watch out. Sometimes it's just trend we are following. You know, we're trying to fit in. David was really trying to fit in into Philistine. Trying to be a Philistine. No, no, he wasn't a Philistine. And when it was time to prove who was going to be a loyal citizen, they told him, you can't be loyal. We can't trust you. We can't trust you to fight alongside the Philistines. You might turn around and fight against us. Brethren, you are a child of God. Stop trying to fit in into the world. Do not be conformed to this world and its system of doing things. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what we are called into. Not to blend in, but to stand out. You are a city set on the hill. You have to stand out. You can't merge your light with darkness just because darkness is trending. You can't do that. You can't do that. Sometimes it's in a bid for survival. You know, we just try and get ourselves so busy. So busy chasing things, chasing things. Bible says, seek you first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all, all these other things will be added to you. So things that we chase deprive us of time of prayer, time with worship, time in fellowship, time of accountability. And we get exposed and then the enemy comes, attacks what is important to us and cuts them away. As he did in the case of David. I pray for you. That whatever is causing distraction, whatever is causing you to veer off angle by angle, you know, we don't sometimes veer off and do a sharp turn. Sometimes it's gradual. Gradual. We just take one step off the track. One step off the track. And in one year, you are so much on a different track than you started. I pray that the Lord will cause restoration. In the name of Jesus. For there to be recovery, we first need to start this journey 
by I liken the things that are distracting and derailing us. The things that cause us to be exposed and make us candidates for exploitation. We have to first find them out. Dig them up and block the back door. That back door that you left open because you are distracted, it's time to find a way of blocking it because your recovery is about to start. Your recovery is about to start. You know, when you're about to stop a fire, you put out the, one of the elements that is causing it. See that you take out the air, you take out the fuel, or you take out the source of heat. Whatever you need to take out to begin this journey of recovery is your assignment now. You've got to take it out. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, you will find the strength to block the back door that has been granting access to the enemy to loot what is important to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Next week, we continue on this and we're going to dig deeper on this story. We proceed in that same first chapter 30. Please invite your friends next week. And I, I, I'm just going to stop here because of time. Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you as we round off today? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord God, for your children, every one of us, every listener. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, in every way that we have opened the back door to the enemy and granted access to our lives, we pray for grace now, grace, to say no, to say enough is enough and block that door. In the name of Jesus Christ. For some of us, it will require additional strength. We receive that strength in the place of prayer right now. In the name of Jesus, we receive clarity. For those that are wondering, what did I do wrong? For those who are honestly asking, Lord, show me what I did wrong that made the enemy to have access to my life. Lord God, let there be revelation and clarity. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord God, because we know that indeed, we shall not only pursue, we shall overtake and we shall recover all. In the name of Jesus, so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street, off Eric Mosso, Lagos. God bless you.